Hey, it's Maureen, and here's your sneak peek in today's episode of Two Pancakes of Wisdom. Today, I am going to share with you a chapter from the book I'm working on that is talking all about our adventures during the pandemic and our cross-country adventure in Rhode Island. The part you're going to hear today is a detailed account of our flight back to California. But I'm not going to just sum it up. I am giving you a play-by-play written in first person and present tense, so you are on the journey with me. <laughs> if you love audiobooks, you're going to like this episode. And if you don't like audiobooks, I think I might make you change your mind. <laughs> because in this episode, I'm going to talk about the importance of planning ahead and how to change tactics when things go completely wrong, about determination to get through a tantrum in public, accepting help from strangers, and setting boundaries with unhelpful strangers, and most of all, staying calm in a crisis. If this sounds like something you'd like to learn more about, well, hang on, we're going to get deep into it. Thanks for joining. everybody and welcome to Two Pancakes of Wisdom, a parenting podcast where I share my everyday adventures as a special needs mom. I'm Maureen O'Neill, a life coach living in the San Francisco Bay Area. My goal is to encourage you, inspire you, and make you smile. Thanks for joining. Let's dive in. Hello, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Two Pancakes of Wisdom. Oh, I'm excited. I am going to be sharing with you a project I have been working on for the last month or so, ever since Bill and I returned from Rhode Island. Our flight home was quite eventful. (laughs) And when I say eventful, I mean it was one of the hardest things I've survived in my six years of parenting with Charlotte. And um, whenever I go through something very difficult, there are always some little miracles that come out of it. And in this case, we met a very special person on that flight. And I want to share this story with you. I want to share with you, oh, so you can know that in your struggles, you are not alone. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but when I hear other people's stories of what they go through, There's this kind of relaxing that happens when I think, oh my gosh, this person went through this and look, they're still standing. Look, maybe they can even laugh about it a little bit now. And it makes it easier to get through my day-to-day struggles. So I hope I can give you that gift also. And also looking for the guardian angels is is something I've, it's really changed my life. So I want to share with you this very special experience and I have written about it with chapters. Um, So I am also publishing this on my blog, uh, chapter by chapter. Uh, Here I'm going to actually read to you the first little five mini chapters of this story, and I will continue it on part two of the podcast. But you know, when people read blogs and they're on their phone or their computer, I know you don't want to read something really long, so I'm breaking it up. But if you're listening to this right now, hey, you know, you don't want to switch podcasts all the time. You want to have something that you can finish your workout or your walk or (laughs) doing your dishes or whatnot. So I'm going to give you a sneak peek. You'll get to hear the whole part one. Um, And I hope you enjoy my little audio book pretend here. Maybe someday I can actually look into doing this. 
But you know what? At least I'm going to do it with my book. And you're going to hear a very special chapter coming up. I hope you enjoy. The Long Flight Home to California. Chapter 1. Introducing Charlotte Grace. Charlotte! I hear a voice call out that is not my own. I'm sitting in the terminal waiting to board our flight back to California, and I crane my neck as I look around with curiosity. It's not an unusual name, but I always like to see who it belongs to. A little two-year-old scampers around. Charlotte! I hear the voice call again. I see her mom is younger than me, blonde and stylish. Is this Charlotte? I ask. Her mom nods. I have a Charlotte too, I say. Yeah, she says in a Boston accent. Charlotte Grace. I freeze. Charlotte Grace? Really? This is Charlotte Grace too. I gesture to my Charlotte puttering around. Oh, huh. Well, will you look at that? The other mom smiles. She's surprised, but not floored the way I am. But how many Charlotte Graces are there under five? And how many would I likely bump into at an airport at the boarding gate of a cross-country flight? Not many. It's a fun coincidence, but maybe I get too excited about things like that. I'm always looking for God shots, like we say in AA. We continue chatting, and I think, what a cool story this will be. Well, dear reader, the story is about to get a lot more interesting. Bill and I spent some time strategizing what to do with Charlotte at the airport. Do we board early and take the time to settle in? Or is it better to wait to the last minute so she's not sitting, getting restless on the plane? We carefully weigh the options, but no matter what happened last time, we can never perfectly predict how our little enigma will respond to this flight. Charlotte is autistic, so while we do our best to prepare her for changes like this, it's hard to know what gets through. She's semi-verbal, so while she has no problem requesting the item she wants, iPad, watermelon, car, or saying, hi, bye, or even, I love you, be still my heart. She doesn't respond to most conversation. Telling her, Charlotte, we are going back to California tomorrow. We are picking you up from school, driving one hour to Boston, then boarding a flight for six hours, staying overnight at a hotel, then driving an hour back to our home. Doesn't get any response. Not even a glance. Is she listening? I think so. Does she understand? I don't know how much. Is she smart? Absolutely. Things just get lost in translation. The plan is to wait until the last moment to board the flight, shaving a few minutes off of our time in our seats. But Charlotte has other ideas in mind. She starts tugging us towards the gate as soon as people start lining up. So much for our strategy. We shuffle onto the airplane with our carefully curated carry-ons, a sack of odds and ends from the toy section of the dollar store, a bag brimming with all her favorite snacks, and of course, her beloved iPad. I hear a little voice chattering in the seat behind. It's little Charlotte Grace and her mom. It feels like a blessing for our little journey. I got my God shot after all. Dear reader, she will indeed prove to be a blessing, but not one I imagined. Chapter two, an unfortunate slime situation. Charlotte is seated next to the window and is immediately captivated by what is going on outside the plane. It takes a while to take off, but she is very patient. Her eyes are glued to the horizon as we start racing along the ground. She presses her little hand against the window as we pass through the clouds. 
So far, so good. The plane promises free Wi-Fi, but it's being fiddly and we can't access it. Luckily, Charlotte is quite intrigued by the bag of toys and isn't getting too frustrated by not being able to access things on the iPad. The last big plane freakout Charlotte had came after a long struggle with spotty Wi-Fi. The plentiful toys we packed this time are part of the backup plan. For the first half hour, the plan works well. I decide to take Charlotte to the bathroom. She has been doing so well with peeing on the potty. I'm hoping that frequent bathroom trips will let her stretch her legs and maybe keep her in a dry diaper. The tiny bathrooms barely have room for me to squeeze in along with Charlotte. Changing a diaper would be a contortionist act. She does not like cramming into the bathroom along with me, but complaining a bit isn't terribly out of character at potty time. We squeeze out of the bathroom back into the aisle to find Bill waiting to use the bathroom. Bill makes his six foot four frame somehow fit into the bathroom. The accordion door shuts and he disappears from view. Something in Charlotte shifts and she starts getting agitated. Daddy will be out in one minute, I tell her, but she is still unsettled. She has been extra attached to him today. Daddy comes out and we start heading back to our row. Things start to change. Charlotte stiffens up and starts struggling. She's calling out, Dayu, even though he was right next to her. I try to coax her back to her seat, but she is starting to pick up steam. I can't reason with her, use incentives or even bribes. To I turn to my only option available, hoisting up her 75-pound frame and dragging her to our seats. Bill and I work together, hoping that once we are there, we can interest her in some of the things we brought. iPad? No. Toys? No. Snacks? No. Desperate, we pull out the big guns. A plastic container of a dreaded last resort substance. Slime. We have a long history with slime. It inspired two frantic dull scissor haircuts for Charlotte. The first time we were at a restaurant when Charlotte plopped it on her forehead. Sometimes I wonder if that was the first time anyone has ever asked a server, do you have a pair of scissors we can use? That was Charlotte's first haircut. Say hello to Banks. Next time we didn't get off so easy. Bill had bought a massive tub of slime and Charlotte decided to experiment by plopping it directly on the crown of her head. I couldn't save her hair. Charlotte's entire head of gorgeous, shiny ringlets was on the kitchen floor. Golden curls held together by huge gobs of purple slime lying on the floor. That was all that was left of Charlotte's envious hair. We called her Eleven for a while after that, named after the buzzed hair of a character on Stranger Things. On the show, she has supernatural powers and is a force to be reckoned with. Sometimes we think the same about Charlotte. As devastating as it was, when I'd had to chop off all Charlotte's hair, what she does now on the plane is worse. Charlotte takes the slime I'm offering her and chucks it over the seat into the row of the unassuming gentleman in front of us. My blood runs cold. I watch it in slow motion. An image of having to cut the hair of a stranger flashes through my mind. Another of me trying to unsuccessfully scrape the slime off of an expensive piece of clothing. My fear is slightly relieved when the man reaches forward and picks the ball of slime off of the ground. I cringe as I look at its murky texture in his hand, stuck all over with bits of lint, crumbs, and dead skin cells from the floor of the plane. 
I am mortified, but thankful that more damage has not been done. He politely reaches back and hands it to me, wordlessly. I utter a very deep, breathy, I am so sorry. I feel like perhaps no one has ever been more sorry in their life than I am at that moment. Dear reader, I wish I could say that that was the worst, but it was only the beginning. Chapter 3. A Guardian Angel Appears The squirming and fighting doesn't stop after we settle back into our seats. I'm not quite sure where Charlotte wants to go, but she does not want to be trapped in a row. The last time Charlotte got this upset, she tried to get through the door into the pilot area. Perhaps this is her plan again? Charlotte Grace's mother, remember her in the row behind, starts handing us little tokens through the gap between our seats. First a coloring book, then a baby shark book. Charlotte continues fighting to escape our row and is now starting to wail. Nothing is working. At this point, I am lying on the ground wedged between our seats and the one in front. Charlotte is lying on top of me and I'm holding on to her. Have I mentioned how strong Charlotte is? When you picture a five-year-old weighing 75 pounds, you might think, perhaps she's had too many sweets. Perhaps she has a little double chin. But no, my friend, this child is tall and built of rock-solid muscle. When she strains against me, it takes all of my strength to contain her. The gifts between the seats continue. Now we move on to treats. A pack of fruit gummies. A fun-sized pack of M&Ms. They seem to calm her down a bit. She pauses to eat a few M&Ms. Then the wailing continues. She has long since pulled off her mask, and her lips and fingers are stained blue and red with M&Ms. Hi there. I hear you're having such a rough time. A new lady dangles over us from the aisle. She looks at us with a sympathetic expression. I have a nephew with disabilities. I understand how hard it can be. She starts to chat with Bill as I lie wedged between the seats with Charlotte moaning and grunting. Honestly, I am bewildered by her efforts to help. Perhaps she hopes that by having an unhurried conversation with us, we will see that Charlotte's outbursts are not disturbing her. This, I believe, is the method to her madness. It also shines a light on the difference between her and our friend in the row behind. The lady in the aisle is asking, how can I help? Our new friend is simply helping. I wiggle myself out from under Charlotte and instead try to hold her next to me. I notice Charlotte looking up at the lady perched above us. I can't tell if the lady is bothering Charlotte or not, but she is certainly starting to bother me. I think you may be actually making it worse, because she doesn't know you. I look at her apologetically, clearly hoping she will get the hint and leave. I'm so sorry. She puts up her hands and nods her head to me. No problem at all. Thank you for telling me. She gives me an extra smile and nod on her way out to show me that she is not offended. I am grateful for that as I lie exhausted on the floor of the airplane with my child. Chapter 4 Socks Fired by Charlotte Charlotte's mask has been on the floor for a long time now. She decides to tackle her shoes and socks next. She balls up one of her socks and launches it overhead. It sails over the head of the two gentlemen and lands in the row in front of them. It bounces off the head of a lady wearing a clear visor over her double mask. She appears to be the kind of person who would very much not appreciate being hit by someone else's sock. I turn to Bill. You have to go get it. 
He looks at me like we are stranded on a desert island and I have just told him he would have to drink his own urine. I repeat, you have to go get it. I incline my head towards the screaming child in my arms to demonstrate why I am not available for this task. Bill gravely stands up. He shuffles up the aisle with his head down. He arrives next to the unfortunate sock incident lady and notices that the sock has been placed on the seat next to her. The woman is stoically staring straight ahead. Bill gets the clear message to pretend it never happened. He snatches up the sock and hurries back to our row. You just heard part one of The Flight Home to California. Please join us on our next episode to complete the journey and hear part two. Of course, it's very exciting to hear what happens with our guardian angel. I can't wait for you to hear. If you're enjoying this episode, please make sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. Oh, they mean so much to me. Sometimes they make me cry when I hear really... But in a good way. It's okay. I've just embraced that I I cry a lot as a person. The good things and the bad things. And that's okay. That's me. (laughs) All right. Uh, Oh, let's see. Anything else? You've subscribed. Um, You're going to come back next time to hear part two. Oh, yeah. I want you to take just a moment with me and take a deep breath in. Relax your shoulders as you breathe out. Put your hand over your heart. And just remember, you got this. Until next time. Oh, I almost forgot. If you would like to read this story, you can actually check it out in my blog. I'm posting each chapter separately, so you're only going to read the first chapter. You guys got a sneak peek in the whole part one. <laughs> but check out twopancakesofwisdom.com and click on my blog. And there you go. You'll be able to read it too. Okay, that's it. Uh, Should I do more music? Yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs)